Hello, we are back. It is Comic Con weekend. I've got my boy Jamie. Say, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. What? <laughs> <laughs> We're also going to be reviewing Shaft. The Bad Mama Jammer is back on Netflix. We're also going to be doing our review of Lion King. And as aforementioned, we're going to be talking in complete nerd detail about all the things that have transpired over the weekend of Comic-Con. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture... Happy Comic-Con weekend, Jamie. How you doing, pal? Uh, always better when Comic-Con's here, mate. Always better. How you doing? Yeah, I always struggle to know how we report on this. So, basically, mm. when we first... In the first year of the podcast, I'd done a Comic-Con special. And I'd done it, like, a week after. And people were like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, it didn't get that many great downloads. So I thought, ah, oh, nah, better not do it next year. So then the following year happened. And I got loads of people tweeting me saying, dude comic-con like where what the fuck's happening i was like all right all right all right fair enough and then we got invited to london comic-con this year mm. and i i titled the episode comic-con special i think even you were on that one and a load of people downloaded it thinking that they've missed the comic-con in america or something and like i was getting people going this isn't comic-con this is just like a fan thing and i was like whoa okay this is america then <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly, exactly, right? Like, there's, there's the etiquette of that. So um, this podcast is going to be a little bit weird compared to the usual one in terms of we're recording it over the weekend. Uh, at the moment, it's Saturday morning. Me and Jamie are going to talk about the stuff that's happened over Friday and Saturday thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on in the pod, there's going to be more reactions as to what happens with Marvel because it's really fucking annoying that they do these things on a weekend and you know most media outlets... You know, similar to ourselves, record earlier than that. So it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, come on, when are we going to find time to talk about it? So that's why the delay's in there. Anyway, Jamie, without further ado, um, I've got to start the one fucking thing. Have you fucking seen these cats and how fucking scary they are? <laughs> yeah, I saw it last night. Um, my partner absolutely loves it because she loves the musical. I saw it and I just thought, I'm terrified. I'm more terrified of that than the It trailer. <laughs> exactly exactly oh my god so okay i don't want to kick this project because i'm you know every every film has a fan every every fandom has a community and yes obviously this is one of the most longest running musicals on broadway in fact have you ever actually heard the fucking storyline of cats uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna have to admit to being a bit of a philistine here, mate, and say no. <laughs> I'm guessing it's about cats. That is, a, that is such a posh word there. Oh, I have to be a philistine. Well, I was a, I I know, was a dumb twat of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dumb twat of it as well. So my, uh, yeah. I was watching this video of someone describing the actual story of cats. I'm not going to... I won't do it justice, but effectively, it's a weird dystopian future, and there's these different gangs of cats who are all wanting to sacrifice themselves. Like, it's an honour to be sacrificed to this big deity cat god or something <laughs> along those lines. I was like, really? That just... Was it about... It's about this? Anyway, they've made it into a film. And one of the things which I find fascinating is they've deliberately gone out there and said, we want this to be a marvel of, of technology. Mm-hmm. We want this to be a marvel of entertainment. They went and built sets so that the scale of the sets yeah. is that if you were a normal human you would be the same proportion as a cat on the street. So That's you, know, you are literally it? scaled down to the size of like a, 
don't know, like a fifth of like normal human size. So mm-hmm. things are like a five times bigger. Which, yeah, when you look at these sets, you go, that is amazing. That is a feat of engineering, and it looks incredible. And that's and they didn't want CGI either, did they? They wanted it to look like they were cats in a, in a human yeah. world. And so you've you got to give a little bit of... I mean, especially in a world where we live in today where CGI is so good, and you can pretty much achieve anything you want with a, with a green screen, uh, I kind of like that whole, you know, sets and animatronic sort of side of things you know when star wars sort of started going back towards that and i know i've crowbarred star wars back into this but you know that's what that was missing in the first three films <laughs> too much cgi i think there's i think there's a good balance and it, from the trailer it looks it looks impressive it looks a little, i don't know about you but it felt a little bit like um uh alice in wonderland-esque to me just because of the way the sets were yeah i'd agree on the sets front you know chef's kiss Mwah, good work yeah now let's let's get to the fucking downside. This the obvious fucking <laughs> elephant in the corner. Why have you deep faked a face? It looks like you know those Nicolas Cage memes yeah. that people have been doing for years of just putting Nicolas Cage's face on like a pizza or a, a mug or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They've done that with these actors, and some of them looks okay. Like the the new the lead, I can't remember her name, but she's been. This is like her first breakout role. She she looks and sounds incredible, but. Then you look at like Jennifer Hudson, Judy Dench looks kind of fucking weird. Jennifer Hudson is scary as fucking this. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to beat this up too much, but it looks like a deep fake in a, in all the worst sense of the world, right? I mean, it it, it, it just because obviously the 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 fur has a movement to it as well, doesn't it? To try and yeah. recreate that sort of cat like element, and it's very odd, I think, because you're not used to seeing that on the screen, and obviously when you if you go to the theatre, and I've seen pictures of the theatre production, obviously when doing, doing our research, you know, their costumes are pretty naff compared to this. But, I mean, you look at the cast, though. You've got, you know, you've got Idris Elba, Rebel Wilson, Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, James Corden. I know you're not a big fan. But, uh, you know, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like, that is a huge cast. For And I'm guessing it's because of the draw of the name. You know, you've got Andrew Lloyd Webber and you've got Cats. I mean, that's going to draw big names, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, whenever I see a cast that long, I automatically assume it's a, none of these people are in it for that long. It's a, hey, here's Idris Alba for his five minutes. Here's Ian <laughs> McKellen waving for a second, you know. So, I don't know. Look, I don't want to beat this up too much because, you know, as I said before, every every pot finds a lid and this definitely has its fandom in the world. And there's going to be loads of people stoked about this. Mm. The internet does what the internet done when it was first released. Um yeah, it was quite an interesting tactic this year. Like, it felt like on Friday, uh, Friday morning in the UK, that everyone was like, right, how do I control the narrative for Comic-Con? Because literally, this is the this is the one time of the year when the whole world descends on Los Angeles and literally says to the entertainment industry, show me what you got. And everyone, you know, is really, really hyped about that sort of stuff. So to get in front of the narrative, it was kind of like the preemptive, let's drop a bunch of trailers just before, which is one of those trailers that came out um, with Cats. Anyway, let's talk about one that, did get me really fucking pumped. Maverick, the mm. sequel to Top Gun. Tom Cruise reprising his role after 30-something years out. Yeah. I didn't realise this, that the US government have paid money towards the production of this film. <laughs> really? Be- yeah, because when Top Gun came out, the number of people signing up to the armed forces, like oh, wow. just, like yeah. hockey stick graph, like, oh my God, everyone's like, I want to be in the air forces, I'm joining yeah. up. So when there was rumours of a sequel, like the US government were like, yes, we approved this message. If this mm. is going to make more people want to sign up to 
the armed services and you know I'm not for or against armed services so please don't read this into as a political thing it's literally just I'm stating a fact that the US government has has prospered a little bit as a result of the goodwill and publicity they've got from this film so and you got those vibes straight off the bat you know the soundtrack started coming in it swelled up even though Tom Cruise somehow has still been able to fly he actually you know he actually learned to pilot a jet engine for this it, it doesn't surprise me i mean the man does so many of his own stunts doesn't he it? it's, it's you know if he can get realistic cinematography he would go for it won't he i mean you've got to praise the guy for that haven't you really absolutely incredible yeah i mean you know it used to be just kind of ha ah, tom cruise running isn't that a thing but um, <laughs> like now he jumps the things off buildings he learns and all to sorts. do his films yeah, yeah exactly like the stuff he learns to do for films now is it's, it's mind-blowing and there's there's one shot in the trailer specifically where he's taking off from a an aircraft carrier is that what they call them the, yeah. you know, the big ships with them yeah. there we go adam knows words um, <laughs> and the sprawling shot of inside the cockpit of him taking off that's no cg that's no uh, there's no <laughs> jiggery going on there that is tom cruise taking off in a jet engine that's on amazing. his own with a camera mounted in his thing i mean like that is I mean, like John Travolta, he's a Noobs. pilot as well, right? And like, mm. um, I was watching a press event. This was years ago when he was promoting one of his uh, his latest films at the time. And uh, yeah, it was on the downwards trajectory for him. But they said to him, "What's the coolest thing you've done today?" He says, "Oh, I woke up, I said goodbye to my family, and I got in my plane and I flew to London on my own." <laughs> like, I can imagine Tom Cruise doing that, but I can imagine Tom Cruise being really overly excited, telling everyone, just yeah. stopping people, just going, hey, guess what I've done? I, I got on a plane, I flew it over, but it's okay, I'm in my 50s, but it's all right, because I'm, I'm really, really fast, and they're just running away at Tom Cruise <laughs> speed. Um, anyway, I can't, you know, apparently there's rumours that a lot more of the original cast are actually in this film, they just not have dr- spilt the beans on it yet. But um, were you a Top Gun guy? Um, it, it, it's difficult, because I think it was just a shade before you know my time really just a, just a shade but um I, I was reading some uh, tweets about it this morning and brian cox as in the wonders of the universe brian cox he um he, yeah. he tweeted about it and he said that actually he watched it about the sound on and he was a bit like Meh. and then he watched it back again with the sound on and he said it was like wow I'm so looking forward to this. It's sort of there's a bit of a nostalgia sort of acting on it. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you haven't seen Top Gun, like, where have you been? Get out from under your rock. But um, I mean, it was, it's a great film, isn't it? But it, uh, I, I don't think I, I, I missed the hype that was built around it. If that makes sense. How about you? Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. It was a little bit just before, like a minute mm. before, it was sort of our time. It doesn't mean that you can't appreciate it from afar. Very true. Um, one thing I will say about the the way it's impacted culture, I've never seen such a hetero, a hetero male film <laughs> based on such a homo erotic scene of because uh, the amount of times you go, you'll be like, you'll be down in the pub and hear some old man going. Yeah, I like Top Gun. That's a good film, that. And you'd be like, oh, so you like that scene about the dudes, you know, topless doing the thing. No, 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 I'm not into that sort of thing. Well, you just said you love that scene, hanging with the boys, right? <laughs> uh, one of our friends, actually, go off t- uh, topic. Um, he might be listening. Um, I remember at university, he was so obsessed with the, the volleyball scene. And we were like, 
you're you're a bit too obsessed with it. Nothing wrong with it, dude. There's no hang-ups here, but but you know, admit admit what you like. Let's just say that. But um, but anyway, look, I'm I am really stoked about this film. I can't wait yeah. to see. It. I think Tom Cruise is a fucking treasure. I generally believe that he's actually getting better with age, if that's even mm-hmm. possible. Um, I also think that he's going to want to try and top this with his next Mission Impossible film, which means the only logical conclusion is Tom Cruise goes to space for real. I was about to say, he goes to the moon, yeah. Has to be. <laughs> <laughs> so from the like massive fucking sprawling epic to a return, uh, another return to form, Return of the King, uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Now this is fascinating because there's a panel going on later on today and uh, I listened to tons of Kevin Smith stuff, like yeah. the guy's a fucking podcast legend, mm. right? And uh, he was saying, oh, we're going to be doing the, the panel and dropping the trailer. Now they've done the old switcheroo of, oh, actually we're going to drop it right fucking now. And they dropped the trailer. And in fact, at the London Comic Con that we covered, uh, Jason Mewes was there for the Clerks 25th anniversary panel, and I was fortunate enough to have a quick chat with him. Unfortunately, I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to record him because, in his own words, I would drop all the fucking beans on reboot, and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, yeah, like obviously they were there for Clerks 25th anniversary, but inevitably the subject of Jay and Silent Bob reboot came out, and. Mm. Yeah, this this feels like a love letter to the Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith ethos, the Jay and Silent Bob lore. This is 20 years of nostalgia and fan service in a way which is, it's not meant to relaunch or anything like that, but I've got to love the deep pulls in this. Have you had a chance to see this yet? Yeah, man, I, I've been, I love everything to do with Kevin Smith. So, yeah, he did a great uh, TV series as well. I don't know if you saw it on... Um it's based off of his podcast, actually. Comic Book Guys. Did you see the TV series? Uh, Comic Book Men. Yeah, Comic yeah, Book yeah, Men, yeah. Classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, that was superb. So, yeah, anything to do with him, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it feels like, obviously, he had the heart attack mm. last year or maybe even the year before. And yeah. uh, he felt like he's... And he's working like a man on borrowed time. And, I mean, everything... Like, if you listen to his podcast, you'll obviously know there's a distinct difference from post-heart attack in terms of how appreciative he is of life and how he just wants to embrace everything. So he finally got off his ass and made sure he made that final Jay and Silent Bob movie. What mm. I generally love about this is that if you don't know, he is a director on the CW quite a lot. He directs lots of episodes of The Flash and Supergirl. Yeah. He's even got the actress who plays Supergirl. I mean, let's just the narrative of the film, if you're interested, is that basically Jay and Silent Bob, the movie, happened and it is now 20 plus years later they are rebooting that franchise and Jay and Silent Bob just like how they didn't want the first film to happen (laughs) they're going to try and stop this reboot and the concept is Blunt Man versus Chronic obviously it's playing off Batman v Superman and they've got new actors to play the roles and they've decided to gender swap Chronic and that's going to be played by the actress who does Supergirl off the TV show. Who she's a fucking class act. She's actually like a real like classy actress. So to get her is kind of funny. But there is literally a spluttering of every cameo and character that's still about in the, the Kevin Smith universe. So I think you know it's if you love Kevin Smith, he is the most on-brand director you'll ever have, right? Like he is mm. so consistent in terms of his tone of voice for the last thirty years. This feels like the most Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith joint you'll ever see uh, which you know for some people they're gonna fucking love it and i i hope he makes a ton of money from it yeah me too mate he's, he's an amazing actor and to come back from that heart attack and actually make the lifestyle changes that he's made as well um yes yeah, insane know, isn't it yeah i mean he, he realized what was important to him you know which is his family and uh he made those changes necessary so long may it continue because we need we need yeah. silent bob in our lives <laughs> i'll tell you he doesn't give a shit about his family 
Rick fucking Grimes, right? He's, uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for Walking Dead. Um, yeah. He's not dead. Uh, he just decided to get on... Well, he didn't decide to. He was put on a helicopter. And mm. um, they're basically... Essentially, it's the narrative way of saying, Andrew Lincoln doesn't want to live in the States anymore. Yeah. He doesn't want to spend a year recording TV shows. So I know what. We'll do the compromise. We'll make TV movies. And it was the Walking Dead panel last night. And, you know, we, again massive spoiler alert so go forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this okay they're gone awesome uh, Michonne mm. is going to be leaving The Walking Dead she confirmed that last night that season 10 is season definitely 10. going to be her last and yeah. they dropped the first trailer I'm not too excited about the new Walking Dead trailer because Walking Dead as with its audience size is decreasing in quality and um, but what I am excited about is that they've announced that this Walking Dead movie for TV that we're making about what happens to Frank the moment he gets on uh, that helicopter is not going to be on TV. They're going to go cinematic. It's going to actually be released in cinemas uh, by the end of this year. And that is globally. That's not like just a limited run. It's going to be a yeah. film, a Walking Dead movie we're actually getting. So awesome. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I mean, that that should do well. I mean, uh, you know, we've all had uh, those... Uh, TV movies that have, that have been made in the past for various different franchises, and they're never that successful outside of the the demographic. But The Walking Dead has still got a huge demographic, and and those, and, and what I think what it appealed to is there were a lot of people that switched off after Rick Grimes left, right? And so I mm. think picking up from that point will re-engage all those Walking Dead fans that maybe have just sort of lost the way over the last few few months. I've got to admit, I, I still persevere just because I love anything to do with zombies. Um, but yeah, I mean, losing Michonne will be uh, a big hit. To be honest with you, it's uh, it's it, it, Danae, isn't it? Danae Guerrero. Guerrero? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. So that that'll be a big hit because she's she's become a bit of a leader and a bit of a main main star. But saying that, Rick Grimes' daughter is sort of even though she's only like eight in the in the TV series, she's a bit kick ass. So I could see her sort of rising up to be the the next leader if the franchise continues. Hey, if they can, if they make the, this movie all about the fan service, so if they mm. can get Crowbar in some characters somehow, then you know, make it the the last hurrah for for Rick. Mm. Um, then then they've got my money. You know what? I don't know how they could do it, but if they could Crowbar in John Burfall back into it, <laughs> just so you could hear in the background him going, Rick, you're gonna protect her, Rick. <laughs> then, then, then I'm sold. You've got my money. Um, Speaking about stuff that's that's got our money, uh, Halloween, it made a triumphant return last year. They've decided to kind of make a little trilogy from this now. So there's going to be two films back to back. One called Halloween Kills in the Machete Kills-esque, I suppose. (laughs) And they're going to finish it. And if the name doesn't give it away, with Halloween Ends, uh, a lot more of the cast coming back. Jamie Lee Curtis will be reprising her role again. Uh, Halloween is a beloved franchise, but I'll be honest, it's not like, I wouldn't put it in my top, Free no. ultimate horror franchises, no, but either. but hey, you know there's a massive fan base out there. The amount of people, believe it or not, that I know with Michael Myers tattoos, <laughs> like it's like a thing to have Michael Myers tattooed on you a lot. So could you know you, what? Could you imagine getting people, that wrong like, though, and like going in and say, "Can I have Michael Myers tattoo, please?" And then they, what, and they put Austin Powers they get Austin on Austin Powers. Hello, <laughs> 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 <Hello>, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, I reckon if you if you you could correct a Mike Myers. Austin Powers tattoo to look like Mike Myers the serial killer I don't think you could do it the other way around um, but and let's let's wrap it off with the trailers then so um, it's chapter 2 mm. the trailer dropped for it as you mentioned right at the start um, I the first chapter uh, the first chapter or the first movie 
I love it. Chef's Kiss, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Fucking freaky. The kids were amazing in it. They've obviously been all canned in favour for their adult counterparts, and it's literally the current Hollywood royalty on that. You know, what did you make from the trailer? I, I tell you what, there is an element with the trailer where obviously you get to see a little. I mean, we, 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 I was actually on last time when we spoke about the first trailer drop, didn't we? Um, yeah, yeah, and we were saying about how you know his daughter. That was a bit freaky, wasn't it? Um, I think oh this God. one we're seeing a little bit more of Pennywise, aren't we? Mm. And I don't know. For me, I, I, I'm looking Less forward is more. to. Yeah, yeah, I, that's it exactly. I mean, there's so much CGI going on with him that it kind of loses that element of reality. Um, which I know sounds a bit, I don't know, twattish, but <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like the fact when there's a little bit of mystery and a little bit of like, oh my God, this could happen. Um, when you're seeing quite a lot of him, it, it kind of loses its spell a little bit. But saying that. I still sort of sat there, engrossed watching the trailer, edge of my seat, but like, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, and I think we spoke about the the um, the book last time, didn't we? And about how weird that mm. was, um, and it doesn't look like they're going to go down that same route. No, I think they're they're going to stick to their guns and riff mm. off of the TV movie a lot more than the book. Obviously, they'll probably drop little elements in there. You'll probably see a reference to a turtle in there at some point. But, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to stick very closely to the book narrative, which is kind of a shame. I really want to see go, when you've got this sort of cast, this sort of attention, this sort of budget, then why not take people on a trip they've definitely never seen before rather than just sort of play off the same beats? I mean, this is quite interesting because I think about... um, Stranger Things, right? And uh, we've we've started recording our season three uh, special, which will mm. drop in a couple of weeks, um, just to give people enough time to really digest season three and make sure everyone's yeah. seen it. But it's kind of had a victim of its own success of, I've had enough of storylines of four kids on bikes going around a <laughs> town, right? And this is just a continuation of that narrative. And there's obviously going to be flashbacks because apparently the, the, the actors who mm. played the kids are actually reprising their roles in in small flashbacks and things like that and I kind of just I don't know I think less is more I think Mm. we've seen like that scene where you see all the balloons come in I would have loved to have not known that was going to happen and just all of a sudden just been captivated in the cinema that one time I do think the dude who plays Pennywise deserves a fucking I don't know if he deserves to be committed or (laughs) or get an Oscar because he is the most freakiest guy possible Mm. for the role and he does it in such an amazing way yeah oh yeah Um, I think and also, like, I mean, like, look at that cast. Jessica Chastain, uh, mm. you've got James McElroy in it, just to name but a few. Um, yeah, really, really excited, but I just I don't want to see any more. In fact, I don't even want to hear any more now. Just, yeah. just, just release it and, and let it be. Apparently, there was a massive panel uh, on Friday at Comic-Con where they got the entire cast up on stage with the producers. And, wow. you know, apparently they did uh, release a couple of scenes to the crowd. And, you know, by all accounts, it's fantastic. Actually, let's talk a bit about um, who is and who isn't going to be at Comic-Con. So, the Game of Thrones writers have pulled out <laughs> literally at the last second. Cowards. Um, Cowards. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, come on, man. Like, this is... Look, for for better or worse, Game of Thrones finished. Yeah. And, yes, you are going to have to face the heat at some point. You're going to have to face the fandom because, let's face it, they did not end well. You yeah. know, let's... Everyone... They dropped the My name's Adam Flint. They fucked it up. Yeah. But... This is the victory lap for the for the show. This is that one time, that one of the last times that you will be centre stage for this season. Mm-hmm. So, so 
you know, you, you owe it to the cast, the fans, and everything else to, to turn up. And yeah, you might get some awkward questions, even if you had a moderator who was, de- you know, deliberately not taking questions and steering it away from that. Or you open up with it, yeah, all right, we we went in a direction you didn't like. We yeah. we actually like it or whatever. But you know why they're doing it, and I hundred percent know why. It's because they want as mu- they want to get as far away from this as possible because they have an amazing job right now of writing the new Star Wars movies Mm, and Disney have a habit of if you are getting negative press from fandom they will fucking fire you so that is why they pulled out because they know whatever they say chances are it will be taken the wrong way and chances are they'll be back in the zeitgeist again and Disney might sit back and go hmm yeah, it's probably not a good idea. So they're obviously trying to keep keep themselves uh, safe from that. I mean, you can't blame them. This is you know, they, until that final season, they did. Uh, you know, Game of Thrones was huge, and Star Wars is even bigger if that's possible. I don't know. Is it? Yeah, you, yeah it's got to be even bigger, isn't it? It's got to have more of a worldwide audience. So I think so it, Star Wars will be influencing people in thirty years' time still. Well, yeah. I don't think Game of Thrones will be. No, no. Yeah, Hashtag yeah. come at me. Yeah, I mean, you've seen those um, those reboot uh, those reboots that everyone's done where they've remade Game of Thrones to have like an eighties entrance. Have you have you seen those? Oh, beautiful! I love my favorite one is the one where it's Jon Snow walking away and they play Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and I could just watch yeah. that on loop. To be fair, that, that makes my yeah. fucking day. And it's brilliant. And I, I do wonder if, like, in thirty years' time, people will be watching Game of Thrones and be like, hmm. A bit dated. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so in uh, in the sort of early two thousands, they really liked shows about fucking their sisters, eh? Hey? Yeah, lots of nudity and lots of dragons, eh? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. Like those are kind of like the big news items, really, that I I can think of. There was an awesome panel. If you're into it, go look it up on IGN's website. Uh, did you ever watch the Batman Beyond animated show when you were a kid? Oh, obviously, that was amazing. Yeah, so. It's its 20th anniversary, which makes oh me feel God. fucking old. Um, but they got on stage uh, Kevin Conroy and I can't remember the gentleman's name, apologies, the guy who does the voice of Terry McGuinness yeah. and the creator of Batman Beyond because it was made oh, for nice. a TV show. like It wasn't based on a comic. It was the guys who made Batman the Animated Series and they were like, oh, we want to try something new. And yeah. it was meant to be a bit of an experiment and it just it was kind of... It was a successful experiment, but not successful enough to continue, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they'd had a couple of seasons of it in a TV movie, which didn't do very well. And that was it. They went their separate ways. But to have them all on stage, and it's developed this massive cult following, it's going to be re-released on digital uh, October 18th. And they've scaled it up for 4K, and they were showing you like a side-by-side comparison when they've cleaned up all the colours and stuff. So if you are an animation nerd or a Batman fan or just love the sound of Kevin Conroy's voice, which who doesn't, let's face it, um, you know, October 18th and Warner Brothers, because I know we're talking about stuff at the moment, if you are listening, send us a, co- send us a copy. Yeah. Just, uh, just send, send it over. <laughs> it's okay. I, I promise I won't in- compromise the integrity of the podcast. I'll just make it. You'll sort of fuck loads, I promise. Um, anyway... <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, uh, later on in the pod, we'll be checking in about what happened uh, in Marvel, in Marvel at Marvel, with the, the Hall H panel where we talk about Phase 4. Um, obviously, though, that's not happened yet, so I'll be recording that on Sunday. So that's the news for this week. 
Up next is our review of The Lion King. Jon Favreau has been tasked with taking a beloved classic, giving it that live action juice and bringing it onto the silver screen. Uh, if you remember our pod from last week, we were talking about the initial reactions from this being quite negative. Uh, we've sent our guys to go report on this, by i.e. me, and uh, we pre-recorded this one because I didn't know which pod I was going to slot it in and just didn't wait for the right opportunity to put this in, so we felt now was the right time. So here it is, Enjoy. Simba, you must remember who you are. The one true king. That music opens up a portal back to when you were a childhood. It's a time machine of nostalgia, and Disney are really hoping to pull on those feels for this, the live-action remake of The Lion King. It's directed by Jon Favreau, who worked on other properties bringing to the silver screen of uh, The Jungle Book, to name but a few projects he's involved with, with Marvel, Disney, and soon Star Wars. So he literally holds the, the trump card pack of your nostalgia, as well as what you're probably going to be wanting to watch in the near future. Um, I'm not going to go through the plot because you know this plot. You've seen it a billion times before and it has been reimagined with this new amazing technology uh, for 2019. Now we were talking about this last week about how the initial reactions from the critics was kind of panning this film. Um, I believe there's two camps. There's the film Twitter camp of uh, I'm absolutely disgusted with this. You have sucked all the life out of it. You've ruined my childhood. You've taken something that was really held dear and you've ruined it and there's probably everyone else in that equation um i'm gonna be honest uh, ladies and gentlemen my name's adam flint i enjoyed this film i actually enjoyed it there are things that i can definitely concur with the the, the critics out there okay so first and foremost there was a brief given by disney and john favreau to the technology team that were making this film to make this as photorealistic as humanly possible. They set themselves a challenge. And this is a challenge which has embarked on a bunch of new technology being created for this movie. Um, if you Google the research that they've gone into making this sort of stuff, it follows very similar game development, actually. So they used uh, Uni Engine. Uh, they also worked on this kind of virtual studio. So the concept is, imagine like a VR headset you can put on and you see the Serengeti and you're able to move the camera around these components. And you, know, you, you have digital cinematographers now. In fact, there was no live-action elements filmed for this whatsoever. You've got to applaud that. You've got to stand up and say, that is amazing. This is your moonshot for technical advancements when it comes to animating animals in films. And that means you've grounded it in a form of reality. You've grounded it in the emotional uh, structure that's available to you. Now, that's the technical way of me saying they don't smile much. <laughs> they don't react in the things in the way I like them to. Um, but what that actually means in terms of what you see on screen is that when the big emotional beats hit, you tend to look to the eyes and the facial expressions and there's not much going on. There is some, but there's not much, which means it doesn't carry the emotional weight that you've come to expect with this. Now, bear in mind, 26 years ago, I think it was, I've probably got that wrong, but back when the original movie came out, there were some amazing emotional beats that were emphasized by the emotion of the expression of the animals, the color palette, and everything in between of that. 
Now that is there. There is a beautiful color palette to be had, but it's a it's a real world color palette, and the emotion that is on display is very much in the real world of the animals. Now you're gonna look at all the pictures that are being shared on social media. Of, look at this picture from the original film. Now look at this. Where you're oh, lifeless. Blah blah blah. Obviously, a photo on its own is lifeless. When you add the audio and you add the musical, there are moments where it touches upon those feels. It becomes transcendent. It becomes beautiful. And that being said, this film very much follows beat for beat. In fact, the opening scene is literally shot for shot. Of if you could do that, I'm sure there's going to be tons of those. Here's how it was before. Here's how it is now. Comparisons because they they do that on purpose. And John Favreau has been very specific in this. Um, in recent interviews, he has come out and said, "I know." That how how close to the heart this is for a lot of generations and I know that if I start tweaking with that formula too much they're going to be like what the hell man you've done this to one of my favourite things going it felt like they had their arms behind their back in terms of going away from the narrative and if you think about the best live action remakes that they've been done of the Disney franchise has actually been when they've deviated off the path. I'm not saying change the whole script, I'm just saying put a fresh page in. And yes, it does add more runtime, there's about half hour extra, there's even a couple of new songs in this as well, but by and large it very much sticks to the script, it very much sticks to the storyline. There are slight deviations of that script, which means when you hear those scenes going beat for beat for beat and then it kind of goes off in its own little direction in terms of the dialogue, you go, hmm, that didn't have the same emotional impact on me. That didn't feel the same. But again, the counter-argument to that is you're a fucking kid, right? What the fucking world has changed? <laughs> like Christmas doesn't feel the same anymore, right? Like Power Rangers isn't as cool when you watch it. But you know what? You're still chasing that dragon, still chasing the tale of those feelings you felt back then. And trust me, there are moments in this film when you see it in cinema that you do get transported back to then. So for that, I absolutely love it. Um, let's let's go through it, right? So voice casting-wise, everyone's going to talk about Timon and Pumbaa. And rightfully so fantastic they retake some classic parts of the film and done it in their own way Zeph Rogen in particular really embodies his version of Pumbaa and I never thought I'd ever be saying that but someone going under the radar is John Oliver Zazu literally there is one scene and it's not a spoiler because if you have seen The Lion King you will know this scene because it's beat for beat that scene where uh, Mufasa and Simba are hanging out spying on on a Zazu pretending to hunt and Zazu's doing his morning report that is literally dialogue from last week tonight of John Oliver in the settings of a Serengeti pride it's it's so funny I was laughing my ass off I was smiling from ear to ear he was a real surprise package uh, and there's no one else that could have done that voice when you hear that casting and um, obviously Donald Glover isn't it's not actually I mean similar to the actual film right when they grow up and become older they're not necessarily in it for too long so Donald Glover and Beyonce aren't necessarily in it for too long, but you know they work with what they had. They're both obviously amazingly talented singers. Beyonce hits the hits the notes. The 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 Beyonce army out there is going to be very very happy. In fact, Disney are hoping you are very very happy and hope that you come in your drones to come watch this. Uh, this probably will be a billion dollar movie there's there's no reason why it shouldn't be right it's the lion king it's got an amazing cast it's utilizing their tech they've got that disney money giving the marketing to it and of course queen bee is one of the big names on top of the posters and um, now this is where i start going into more of the less rosy side of it so obviously the emotion side of things not there as much as it used to be they have tweaked some good songs and they kind of changed be prepared as we talked about in the last pod as well and it didn't quite work and um, 
if you're reprising Mufasa with the legends that is James L. Jones, then in my mind, you probably should be reprising Jeremy Irons. And I think that decision will probably come back to haunt them. That's not to say that the actor taking on the role now has done a bad job. It's just you can't help but think of a shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And you're not getting that sort of performance in this film. You're getting his version and and fair enough. It's kind of hard to see how emotional they were invested in this because it's, there's quite a few lifeless doll's eyes uh, in the animal's expressions in this as well. Um, yeah, what more can I say? Uh, look, I think you should take your kids to go see this. Um, if when I looked around the cinema and I saw kids like getting so jammed and excited and also parents were shedding a tear or two because obviously it was it obviously means a lot to them as well yes obviously the big scene with Mufasa hits home just as much as it did in the original and uh, I couldn't help but just think Scar brava when he pulls oh, oh I'm welling up now um but again, uh, they tried the groundness in realism. So the, the classic scene where Simba's crying up to the sky asking for help from his dad and his dad forms in the clouds. They kind of do it, but they kind of don't. And it's, it's, it's like you've taken something beautiful. You have literally made it transcendent in appearance, but you have not taken me there. And um, the best way I can think of this is that Great dialogue will make you believe, but great expression will make you feel. And I didn't feel as much as I should do, knowing the amount of effort and work and love and attention that has gone into this property. So for that reason, it's only okay. And okay shouldn't be enough for this. Okay should be, this is something I'm going to dust off and show my kids. And, and they're going to show their kids. And everyone's going to remember this amazing story where, you know what? There's something we can all agree on. Hakuna Matata, baby. And... Unfortunately, that's not quite there. Um, like I say, it's still going to do very, very well. It's definitely better than Aladdin, in my opinion. I was really disappointed with that. I'm not disappointed with this one. Um, I also think, though, that everyone that is shitting on this film, like, just just back off, man. Like, leave it leave it be. It's going to do really well. Uh, you know, saying that, we all shout on Aladdin, and that made a ton of money. So I hope this will do the same. I hope we see Jon Favreau leading some more stuff. Uh, I applaud the challenge. I applaud the moonshot of going for this realism. Uh, but I don't agree with the decision to not emote. Make their eyes a little bit bigger. Make it a little bit disproportionate. Who gives a fuck, right? They're talking animals, for Christ's sake. Um, but that is the narrative they've gone with, and that is what they are sticking with. So for that reason, I'm going three out of five. Go see it in cinema. Crank up the speakers, because there are some bangers. And the new interpretations of some of these beloved classic characters is still there to be had so three out of five the lion king remember Up next is our Marvel segment of the Comic-Con coverage. Uh, I recruited Buddy Tom Woods. You may remember him from pods where we've talked about Endgame, Infinity War, uh, what's coming up with Star Wars. Um, complete disclosure, uh, I did have my lovely studio mic set up recording me. However, I had a Bluetooth headset on and the stupid thing picked up the microphone in my headset as opposed to my studio mic so it does sound like i'm doing a dom jolly impression apologies about that but hopefully it will still sound clear as a bell and you're able to understand what we're saying anyway turn it up it's an hour long this bit so uh, if you are into your marvel movies hopefully this is some catnip to keep you hooked until more info comes enjoy
this is it. This is Marvel in Hall H. Uh, apologies. Yes, there will be some DC news dropping over the weekend, but don't worry. I'm going to be covering that next week. I'm going to try and get my man Bill from Batman on film to go through that. I'll make it look like it's all planned. But um, in regards to this, this is the time when Marvel has literally lifted up their skirt over what is coming over the next two years. And I put the back signal out quickly and my boy, Thomas Woods, who we've done the Avengers, Infinity War and Endgame spoiler cast with it felt only right that we chewed a fat filmy about everything that has just come out over the last twelve hours. Woods, this is did you open your window and saw a little boy in the street and go, You there, what day is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit how, like, like how, it. what was your initial reaction? Just like before we go into detail, so what I want to structure this as is stuff we've heard, the stuff we haven't heard. And then kind of what we think about the TV side. But overall, what was like, were you satisfied with all this news? All right. Um, so woke up and uh, iPad's telling me all this stuff that's happened overnight. And um, I'm having a quick flick through. And I, I, <laughs> not going to lie, I was more intrigued by the TV side of things than I am the movies. Controversial statement, right? Because I think that there's some of the other movies that have been previously announced. Uh, Guardians 3 and um, such like. Uh, which are, I was really excited about. Um, then I got to reading about four, four, uh, and that's going in a really interesting direction. So that seems like the most spoken about thing I think out of all of the fallout from this, right? Mm. Yeah, true, true, man. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think the TV is interesting. It's an interesting proposition. It kind of feels like look, we have started twenty-two amazing stories and we have finished them into an extent with endgame but there are certain people in that narrative that still have a life that still have progression to be had and if we took every one of those characters and gave them a movie then uh, we will definitely own the entire cinema and it might start to deteriorate so i find the disney plus streaming way forward with beloved characters that we know with hollywood grade actors reprising their roles that's an interesting way to take all those fans of loki all those fans of of wandavision and and stick that on a streaming service that you can get 899 for the rest of your life and uh, so it's, it's an interesting value proposition from that part but it's a fascinating way to keep those those tales alive so i do agree with you but Eric, let's like start off from the top okay we knew this project was in development scarlett johansson uh, has been very stumped on it, but stuff like sets were being booked, uh, people were being hired, and things were happening. And obviously, of it being coming out of May of next year, Black Widow, uh, I, we knew this was happening. It's obviously got a very prequel, right? Obviously, what happened in yeah. Endgame. Yeah, I think that's a, a safe assumption. Um, do, you, do you not have any idea when? So the cast is fascinating and the cast, uh, so there's been lots of little tidbits being released throughout the day. It's almost like tickets to Comic-Con are really expensive and they don't want information to be just like given away for free easily. It's got to be via the media outlets that pay a lot of money to it. But anyway, that aside, <laughs> the cast are doing tons of interviews and it's really fascinating to hear. So cast obviously Scott Johansson surprising her role. David Harbour, the old uh, old copper from Stranger Things is going to be there. No, he's in this... Yeah, he's in it, man. Oh my word! I'm now. I've completely changed my mind on this. I'm all in. <laughs> so uh, David Harbour's in this. Uh, Florence Pugh, who's had a fucking amazing year with uh, fighting with my family of Midsummer. Like I am so happy to see her name attached to this. And Rachel Wise is also involved in this. Now the concept is is that this is going to be set in like from what I'm gathering from this is not 
Adam Flint confirms, this is just from what I've heard from the interviews, is that this is going to be not an origin story. Black Widow has been operating as Black Widow, but it's before she gets recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. And David Harbour is going to be a big, big part of that, a part of that Soviet-era Russia that's trying to operate in a modern world. And he is basically going to be, I don't want to say the big bad, but it feels like they're building towards that. Um, it's directed by Kate Shortland, and yeah, it's coming out in May. A bunch of the filming's already been done. No trailer, but we got the logo and, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, man, David Harbour, Mate, he's so in this. Let me get this right, okay. So David, David Harbour, is, I'm not good on actors' names, but he's, he's well, is he Hopper from uh, Stranger Things, right? The cop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're saying that this is going to have some um, Soviet tie-ins. Yep. Is this some sort of elaborate way of tying in Stranger Things? Because uh, I don't want to spoil season three too much, but mm, um, it's, I just just put it out there. Obviously not. Um, you know what? When I read this, I'm not a big um, Black Widow fan, to be honest. Um, she's fine. Uh, the idea of her having her own movie, I was a bit like, that's fine. Um, but the more you talk about it, the more excited about it I am. So there's an interesting concept that David Harbour is going to be playing a character which is the Soviet Union's equivalent of Captain America in terms of they've been experimenting to try and make their own soldier serum. And yes, they don't get the virtue that is Captain America and he's obviously not strong enough to hold Thanos' hand in the air, but at least it's going to be something more than what a, a typical man could be. And I find that fascinating that they're going... Wow. and it, It's almost like, you know, there was that um, James Gunn movie, Brightburn, about what happens if Superman was evil. Yeah, what happens if you take this a person with that sort of characteristic? Actually, I suppose they've done that to Winter Soldier to an extent. But um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, I agree with you. I'm not. I wasn't like, oh, we know what happens. Prequels means no no tension, right? But that being said, there is a there's a group on Twitter called the the Natasha uh, Vengeance Group, and uh, they're fans of the pod. And I know there's about a hundred people in that in that group on Twitter right now, currently firing champagne into the air. So good for them. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm happy enough, right? Yeah, you know, great start off the bat. It takes us to a familiar place. And Scarlett Johansson, yes, okay, maybe you should stop talking about being cast as a tree or representing various groups. Stick to what you're good at right now, which is yeah. Black Widow. And, you know, you've been doing it for the best part of 10, 12 years. So you, you deserve this. So, so, yeah, fair enough from that. I find it hard to argue that she doesn't deserve a standalone movie. Um, of, of all of the people it's been, you know, at, at, off the bat, back in the day when Avengers all came together. Am I right in suggesting that they didn't even make Black Widow action figures because, um, well, she was female, effectively. I think this is something that I've read about previously. Um, and obviously since then, times have changed and obviously uh, Disney have had to take a different approach. And I think it maybe why it's taken such a long time is because Marvel have been a bit slow on the uptake on providing female superhero movies with an idea that maybe... It's not what the box office wants. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Back in the day, uh, back in 2012, when they were looking at all the different merch lines, uh, she was very much left out. She was put on the shelf for a couple of reasons. They felt that uh, sales it wouldn't wouldn't make sense to because their data suggests otherwise. But also, it uh, you know to, to call it what it is when you've got a bunch of middle-aged white dudes making these decisions. Guess what? They're going to steer towards the middle-aged white dude uh, consensus. Um, Marvel has been trying to correct that over the last sort of five years in particular. 
and looking at who they're getting in, not just in front of the camera, but also behind the camera and making these bigger business decisions. So, and it's, it's paying, right? Like you know, Black Panther, how much money that made, Captain Marvel, how much money that is continuing to make. And uh, yeah, the direction they're going in, in terms of the stories they want to tell. So this is like, this is their about time moment. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're probably like, say, probably about five, five years too late, but you know what? It, it's still happening. Yep. So moving away from uh, from the potential uh, clusterfuck that could be of gender politics, the next thing <laughs> they announced was uh, a new franchise. And this is fascinating. So it's based on a comic series called The Eternals. Uh, they kind of touch upon these characters in Guardians of the Galaxy as well as anything cos- cosmic-y. Basically, these are gods. These are like, this is like next level shit. And um, a lot of people have sort of gone, why are they doing this? Well, a lot of people said that about Guardians of the Galaxy, taking an unknown quantity that has a very strong fandom, but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily like your Iron Man's or your Captain America's. And they they made it into one of the best films. In fact, I'll probably still I'll probably still go to bat that Guardians of the Galaxy is the best MCU film. So they've got pedigree in doing this in the past. Have you heard of Eternals before? Like I haven't at all. You know what? I haven't. Um I've, I think I've heard it kind of muttered about um you know with with the idea mm. that there could be something coming but i have no prior knowledge of what these these uh characters are at all so i didn't know like you say guidance is a fair comparison i didn't know anything about guidance of the galaxy until i saw the movie and i completely agree with you personally i think guidance is still the best marvel movie yeah awesome i mean this the cast that they've drawn in like i said i can't speak to the characters so i don't know about them and uh, i hope to learn about them i hope to fucking love them uh, but in terms of cast, man, they are fucking swung for the fences. So for a first line off the first line off the conveyor belt of new franchises for cinematic releases in this universe, Angelina Jolie is in this. Man. Yes, that's right. Richard Madden, who obviously apparently he's quite popular after the Bodyguard and Game of Thrones. Uh, we've got Salma Hayek in this. There's Camille Nanjiri. So I mean, first of all, yeah, amazing diverse cast, amazing actors with great pedigree in their own right. So. You got this many talented people, and it's going to be directed by Closio, and it's, it's yeah, I'm I'm pumped, man. Like, I hope they go different and cosmic, and not just be like, oh, okay, this is another ragtag bunch of people, and they're going to play some rock music in the background. Like, find <laughs> find a new voice, right? Find yeah. something new. Yeah, completely agree. That's going to be an extremely attractive cast, mate. <laughs> Are you kidding me, oh, Richard mate. Madden and Angelina Jolie? Wow, that is a it's handsome insane. cast. They might as well have just called it fucking gorgeous people yep. and uh, and just span it on that. But uh, I can't really, I, I don't know too much more about this other than just it's going to come out on the 6th of November in 2020. Uh, Richard Madden has been linked with the MCU for a damn, damn, damn long time. Uh, I personally think that there is someone else that is going to be in this film under the name of Keanu Reeves because he has been meeting with Marvel fuckloads and I just feel like there's there's got to be some synergies there, but I've got no facts to base that on, so please don't start go- uh, quoting us on that but uh i yeah i'm excited but to talk about the representation thing again um so that's 2020 for 2021 the first film out the bat they've got lined up is their first ever asian superhero in shang chi and this is absolutely fantastic so essentially the the lead in this film is simon liu and he tweeted marvel in 2014 saying what about an asian superhero and he was kind of like an up-and-coming actor at the time. He's went on to do loads of other stuff. He'd done some work in TV, obviously big in Asian cinema as well as, as Western cinema. And he, he he's landed the gig of a lifetime for him. And, that, yeah, that's incredible. 
Oh, oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it seems that Disney are certainly starting to focus on that market a lot more. Um, obviously, with Mulan coming out next as well for the Disney live-action movies. So they, they obviously clearly... It's a cynic in me. Um, after the China money, aren't they? So they are to an extent, but they're tying this in quite nicely. So the title of the film is going to be uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, anyone who knows, uh, and I don't claim to know everything, but I, I listen to smarter people talk to me about this stuff. And the Ten Rings is basically the terrorist organization that kidnapped Tony Stark in 2008 Iron Man. It is also the fake terrorist organization that the Mandarin uh, from Iron Man 3 represents. And they've always said that the whole Trevor thing about it was kind of a deep fake of he was never really the Mandarin. Um, that was actually bullshit. There's a one shot thing they done. So between the years of like 2009 till 2013, for some reason they stopped doing it. But there was doing this thing called Marvel One Shots where they would basically get some of the original cast together and film a scene or a short thing, which they would put on the Blu-ray to try and encourage Blu-ray sales. And they'd done one about the Mandarin, and it was called, I think it was like Hail to the King, and it was meant to be a documentary about how Trevor tricked everyone in being the Mandarin while he's in prison. And at the end of it, they say, ah, so you're not, like, he basically drops a big hint saying, I'm not actually the real Mandarin, I, I, I copied someone else. So... Don't be surprised if the Mandarin is the big bad in this and they get Ben Kingsley to reprise his role. That will be incredible. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. I completely agree with that. It's just, yeah, it's, and like you say, they're going off. I think it brings the Western audiences up to this as well. And it, like, yeah, it's good to see the diversity in here. I think this is going to be like, this is their, if we're going to make a, a martial arts movie, and it's going to be, you know, chef's kiss, the best fucking martial arts you've ever seen, like raid level stuff. This is how they're going to do it. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, they kind I, of touched upon it, but in, sorry to interrupt you, they kind of touched upon it in the TV world, but they, they fucking screwed the pooch with Iron Fist. This is their attempt, I think. I'm not saying the characters are interlinked whatsoever. I'm just saying that when it comes to representation of Asian-based yeah. characters, then this is kind of like the apology. This is This is what we should be doing, not the let's get that guy from Game of Thrones and teach him how to punch in a day. Yeah, um, I, I'm quite excited now you've actually said about it being kind of a, a martial arts style movie from from Marvel. I mean, they've, they've nailed everything they've done up to this point. And um, like I say, The Raid, that's a wonderful movie. Um, I enjoyed that one. I, you, you, you're more of a Marvel expert when it comes to the TV side of things. So Iron Fist, I never saw any of this. Um, this was by the same oh, studio. How connected is it? So it's, it's, it's under the Marvel banner and there is a TV part within Marvel that works very closely on Netflix producing these shows. Right. That being said, they are different sets of people. The reason why Iron Fist, A, was very bad. Two reasons why it sucks. One was because the storyline, they just did a terrible job of doing the writing for it. Um, vast majority of it was set in boardrooms and boardrooms is not a fun place to a good uh, narrative engrossing TV. Uh, but the second part is the actual actor they cast. Now, the character of Iron Fist is a, is a I think, Asian-American or definitely Asian heritage or 100% Asian, depending on variants. Basically, you go find an Asian actor for the role. But right. no, they decided to go with Finn Jones, uh, who was in Game of Thrones for a minute and kind of had a bit of popularity, who's not a martial artist, who was learning to be a martial artist on set, and it shows. And that character on paper is like the best martial artist in the in the Marvel universe, and oh, they just screwed the pooch. So they've obviously learnt the error of their ways. They've tried to find first and foremost the right actor, 
and the right storytellers to be doing this as well. And obviously they're engrossing this with a law of things that we've come to know and establish. So those 10 rings, that should be subliminally familiar. And I'm, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for this. I mean, when Marvel really shines, it's when they take a film and they, they go with a genre and they put the superhero lens on it. It is a, it, when you think about the Ant-Man and the Wasp, it's a, it's a heist movie. It just happens to have a superhero. Guardians of the Galaxy is a, is a space opera. It just happens to have superheroes in it. And uh, Captain America, like the, the Winter Soldier, that is like an espionage spy thriller. They just have, again, it's just about enhanced people. I think, and no one's confirmed this, but I think this is them going after that, that raid style, amazing martial arts cinema movie. That sounds really good to me. I'm, 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 I'm generally not looking for a job, but uh, Marvel, if you're looking for more spin that's a great pitch i gotta say mate like when i saw because i'm not gonna lie i looked at some of this i was like i have no idea what these are and so far you've now committed me to watching free marvel movies <laughs> well where were you on dr strange like on the i liked it i liked it but i didn't see it in the cinema um i i caught it on uh on release um once it went home release and, and i really really enjoyed it i i thought it was a great origin story but the problem is we've seen enough of origin stories i think they fleshed out his character even though he doesn't really well, he does do quite a bit in terms of narrative he doesn't have much screen time in uh infinity war or endgame but like i love seeing dr strange when he's kind of at the height of his powers when like he's he's i don't know if it's the sorcerer supreme yet or if he's about to become like you know the prime version of that character but i mean that fight between him and thanos just put that on a fucking screen for like two hours and you've got my money, man. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, that's <beautiful>. fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But, um, but he's, he's coming back. The next one in the can is going to be on the 7th of May in 2021. It's going to be called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's got the same director, Scott Dickinson, very much a horror director, and he is allowed to, he's allowed to go down the horror route on this. And he's even said it's going to be a horror film. Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in this as well. She's going to be reprising her role as Scarlet Witch. So, uh, so yeah, I'm intrigued, man. Okay, so we got Doctor Strange, we've got Scarlet Witch, yep. we've got a director who's allowed to make a horror movie. Yep. I mean, this could be anything. This could literally be anything, and yep. that's pretty exciting. I, I am so excited about this, about where it can go with the effects. They talked about the multiverse and all that sort of stuff in the first film. They've kind of let off the shackles of, you've had to tell the story of, this is the guy, this is how he got his powers, this is what his personality is. Yeah, that's, all, that's all been done. Now they can just plow on with some awesome storytelling. So, yeah, I, and you know the effects are going to be so fucking Absolutely. Like, and they're going to have so much money behind this now because obviously the first film had a barrier in terms of how much money they can invest into it, being the first in, in the series and all that sort of stuff. Although Kevin Feige, his favourite comic book character of all time is Doctor Strange. So it, there was never any doubt that he was never going to... Um, invest in this yeah. he's always been wearing strange swag and all that sort of stuff so <laughs> yeah he's now got the the license to, to take this in and you know benedict Cumberbatch. i mean it's basically he's basically being dr house if he was a wizard but that, that's great that's that's fair. <laughs> very much that way uh, i tell you what mate i'll be disappointed if this, this doesn't turn out to be a marvel horror movie I, I I think that sounds excellent. So so far we've got the the Marvel martial arts movie and a Marvel horror movie. It, th- this this is really intriguing stuff. Yeah, and a Marvel Soviet era spy thriller and something that's going to be batshit crazy of the most gorgeous people on the planet. So I mean, this, this what a slate already. And let's go back to the stuff we know and love. You talked about it right at the top four: uh, Love and Thunder, Taika Waititi, Tessa Thompson. 
Chris Hemsworth. Oh, and Natalie Portman is going to be reprising her role as well. Man, wow. <laughs> I did not see Natalie Portman back because she made a big deal about not wanting to be part of this, right? So even when you kind of saw her in the last couple um, of, of movies, um, it was a bit of a surprise, right, that she was there in some way, even if it was previous stock footage that they were allowed to use or whatever. But <laughs> it, it, it's, it's mad. Like, she she wanted out, and now not only is she back in, she's back in as the main character. Yeah, like, I know, I know, exactly, right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I, my only disappointment is um, Foresight really well. I enjoyed the first one. second one was a bit of, of a disappointment. But then his, Hemsworth mastered his character. He mastered the art of yeah. his humour, his delivery. And I love the character now. I love it. And I feel that we just kind of got started with this peak character that Hemsworth is delivering. And we're going to lose him. Now, I might be yeah. wrong in that. Is it a case that Hemsworth is no more and that Portman's literally just going to take the role? Or is there a case where both of them are together in the same universe? Is is that what it is? And basically, Ford just basically doesn't want the hammer because he's effectively done that before, right? He he kind of handed the hammer over. He's like, I don't need that. I like what I've got now with the, the one that he had made by um, Tyrion Lannister, um, <laughs> right? So is, is that is that what's yeah. going to happen? So my, my understanding of all of this is that there is a, for first and foremost, you're 100% right, Natalie Portman was, I am done with this franchise, and she was a throwaway line in Thor Ragnarok, and yes, they used stock footage for Endgame. And you thought, that was it, we are done. But the mouse gets to calling, and here she is. And essentially what I think they're going to be doing is, as you mentioned rightfully so, that for um, in the comics, it go, in about 2014, they went on a different tangent and they made Jane Foster four. They decided to say that four is no longer a person. It's an ability. And if you are worthy, you will possess the power of four, which is, you know, kind of the trope of the first movie, right? It was, you are not worthy. I'm taking your powers away. Go be a good guy and you'll get your powers back. Turns out all you had to do was wash some plates and not smash your mug on the floor. And that was enough to warrant wielding the hammer at that point. But anyway, that aside, um, the the concept of this is that Natalie Portman's Jane Foster will inherit the power via Milnir. So the hammer's going to come back somehow, even though we know it's currently time traveling with Captain America. So I don't know how they're going to explain that one. But um, there is a world where you have four and Lady Four, where they're both worthy and they both wield weapons. I don't know how far they're going to do that in this film. Uh, I think Tessa, I generally thought Tessa Thompson was going to become Lady Four especially the way they built it up with Valkyrie yeah. inheriting Asgard. But this is a quite interesting. So Tessa Thompson on stage when they brought the cast out and then done the fucking mic drop moment of Natalie Portman swans out and says, I'm like a black swan. Yes, 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 film we talked um, of uh, how she is going to be the, the main person in this uh, franchise again. And uh, Tessa Thompson said, well, she's running Asgard as the new king of Asgard. And this is the first time. And this is, this is a big deal for certain groups of people. She's confirmed that Valkyrie is LGBTQ, everything else in between of that, and that she'll be looking for her queen. And all of a sudden, people are like, but we've been shipping you and four together. And then Natalie Portman comes out. So it's going to be an interesting love triangle, apparently, hence the, the name Love and Thunder. <laughs> um, look, this is like Waititi actually going batshit crazy, because believe it or not, he does not get a writing credit before Ragnarok. Huh? Yep. Wow. So basically, the film was... The film was wrote, and then they got him into direct. And he changed 
all the dialogue. Basically, he made it Taika Waititi dialogue. The story beats were still the same, but the dialogue makes it a completely different story. And according to the laws of the, the Hollywood police, I don't actually know who they fucking are, but basically the people who decide who gets credit for things, because it's very important for contracts, uh, you actually have to change 40% of the story to get a writing credit. And because he didn't do that, he didn't actually get, uh, he got director credit, but not uh, writer credit, even though he heavily influenced the whole project. So this is him giving a big fucking two fingers up saying, this is going to be in my movie 100%. This, this sounds really good. This sounds really good. I'm really intrigued by this one. Um, wow. Love Triangle. Yeah. All for this. Great. I- they, why didn't they call it four four? I don't know, but uh, or at least put the number four in somehow. Yeah, I mean, if you if you had to say which of the franchises would be the first to go four uh, entries in um, outside of the Avenger movies, like no one would have said four, like no one. You know, you said Captain America, you know, that's on the cards potentially at some point. Iron Man, oh, of course, if Robert Downey Jr. wanted to, or Marvel wanted to, that could easily continue. But no, four is the one to keep carrying on. So that's kind of cool. Absolutely, mate. Like, it's surprising that things always go to trilogies. And that's why I always felt that's why we didn't get Iron Man 4, Cap 4. I mean, effectively, they became the characters, the lead characters for the Avengers movie. So basically, we had Iron Man and Captain America 4, etc., etc., uh, when we were doing the Avengers movies. But still, yeah, um, especially off the back of Dark World. Dark World was such a, a disappointment. And then obviously, Portman... Mm. walks away from it and yet somehow here we are um and they are the first to like you say get to four movies that's um that's that is actually a legitimate surprise if you take yourself back to the fallout from from dark world yeah exactly i'll tell you what the biggest surprise was and seriously later on in this pod uh is our review of shaft and me and jamie review it and i recorded that yesterday with him and we're talking about mashala ali um about potentially becoming blade and what does marvel do they fucking only go and announce that they're not only invested in blade but it's going to be a movie and they've found their lead and mr ali walks out on stage fucking looking as suave as ever i mean i loved blade growing up i probably shouldn't have because it was an 18 or whatever but it was so fucking good and they're bringing this back as well Oh, that's the surprise right i didn't i didn't realize this was even in in the works no no one did no one knew a goddamn thing about it. And this is definitely a way along because they've got branding. They've, you don't just have a star. You have a director, I, I assume, is affiliated with this. They've probably got an idea of story. They're probably going to explain how vampires fit into this MCU. God. And they've got a double Oscar winner who's actually played several Marvel characters in the past. He's played Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. And he, he's the reason why the Luke Cage TV show was so good. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it, even though they do can the show eventually. And he's actually in Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse as well. So he's he's had several conversations with Marvel in the past. And apparently Kevin Feige, straight off the stage, people were like, Mike's in his face, asked him a bunch of questions and asked about Blade. And they said, why Blade? And why Mashallah Ali? And he said, the answer is the same. He was interested in Blade. He come to me and said, if you're doing it, I want in. And we were like, well, we weren't thinking too much about it, but if you're interested, we are damn interested. So they've, they've made it work. And uh, yeah, I mean, the question I have, though, would is this going to be R-rated? Because Blade lends itself to being R-rated. Ooh. Ooh. Um, they've, not, they've not even come close to tampering with that, right? Up to this point? No. Um, 
God, that's a fair point. Yeah, because the, the Blade trilogy that we got in the what late nineties, early two thousands, that was that's pretty far away from where Marvel are right now. Um, I I can't see it. I can't see it because I just don't think it will fit in with um, everything they do, and and they don't really do standalone. So this is going to have to somehow fit in, right? This is going to have to somehow yeah. fit into the the universe, and I feel that. Disney, the mouse, and f- everything with it—they're just not going to go away from that kind of universe of family-friendly movies. So that's going to be really fascinating to see how they do that one. It's going to be hard. It's gonna really, be really hard. hard to do it in a way where you keep the fans happy. You introduce this character to a new generation. You keep it separate enough that it has its own identity, whilst at the same time keeping the barrier for entry at a point where you know kids will want to have their Blade action figure like this. This is a challenge, but you're starting off to a great start with a great actor taking up the mantle. I always thought Blade would make an amazing TV show. I know they've done a TV show, which wasn't very good, but I thought that narrative of there's vampires, there's a dude hunting them, and he's the daywalker, like that that speaks to, I mean, you know, fucking work for Buffy, right? Like you can, you can find <laughs> yeah. a way of doing it, but I'm so happy this franchise is coming back. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I'm really excited about this, but I am apprehensive. This, this is the one that's got probably the biggest question mark against it, despite having uh, such a talented actor and attached to it. It's just a big question mark as to how are they going to manage this? Um, I mean, it took, what, 15 years for us to finally get the Logan movie we deserved? And that was like a one-off off yeah. the back of um, finally getting the Deadpool movie we deserved. And obviously that... Although, where were they? Are they Fox movies? So effectively, they are owned by Disney now um, yep. in a roundabout way, but obviously we're not completely not at the time. Um, yeah, God, that would be interesting. That, uh, that question is going to be asked probably consistently until we kind of get to any more information, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, and that is why it was at the end of the presentation because they really are, like, they've, they've kept that one way out there in the distance. They haven't even given a date to it, not even committed to it. Now, um Kevin Feige kind of used that as the big fucking mic drop moment of you fuckers have been coming to me going, what about Fantastic Four? What about the Black Widow movie? What about all this sort of stuff? You didn't even know. Whilst I was fucking doing Endgame, I was speaking to this motherfucker. And some motherfuckers want to ice skate uphill, as Blade would say, and this is what you've got. And man, like he, he, I mean, we'll talk about TV in a moment, but the way he closed in saying, uh, oh, yeah, and by the way, there's Captain Marvel 2. There's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. There's going to be Black Panther 2. And we haven't even started to discuss about mutants yet. And he also confirmed Fantastic Four. And he, he kind of done that as like the last few minutes. Now, we're talking about this uh, off mic, but essentially in a couple of months' time is going to be D23, Disney's kind of version of Comic-Con to an extent. And there's always a massive Marvel presence there. In fact, they announced Civil War back at D23 in 2015. And I can imagine we're going to get a far bigger slice of information about those other films in this next bit. Anybody that thought, oh, after Endgame, it'll probably slow down a bit now. There'll be a concern about superhero fatigue, etc., etc. They're going to have to find something else. They couldn't be more wrong, could they? It feels like we're going to get actually no. more movies than we had previously. It's incredible. The machine is ongoing. Mm. And the thing is, is that it's so difficult to keep people engaged. And I think that I, I read this a bit, but the reason why they've announced um, 
all of this stuff in as a phase four is because they want a phase four to be the new stuff. This is this is the start of yeah. something new, which is why they've been trying to separate it from phase five, which is where the Guardians movie and Captain Marvel 2 and uh, Black Panther 2, because we know these characters, they're going to have their sequels, but they wanted phase four to be this is new and fresh. And that makes perfect sense off the back of Endgame, which is ultimately uh, the combination of the story for much loved characters in um, in Iron Man, uh, Captain America, uh, and these characters. So um, they've managed to keep it fresh still. And that was always going to be the most important thing to keep people engaged and they've managed to deliver that. And just this press conference alone, um, I'm really excited about these movies, having spoken to you about them. I was a little bit apprehensive reading about it and and now you've you've spoken me through it. I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah, mate, it's it's genius what they've done here. And also, they've not spoke about Spider-Man at all. And I think there's two reasons why they've not spoke about Spider-Man. One is because, like you've just rightfully said, this is about new beginnings. This is about either reintroducing certain faces that you may have seen in a different light, i.e. Black Widow, or bringing in the new talent of Eternal, Shang-Chi, and everything else that comes with that. But also, I think they're playing fucking hardball with Sony. They've got a massive deal with Sony with the character of Spider-Man. They don't own Spider-Man. It is a creative... They did own Spider-Man, but go on YouTube, look it up. There's a massive legal difference as to why they don't own the character anymore. And there is one film left in the contract to make with Tom Holland in this world. In fact, in the contract, and I'm not going to go into massive details because it's a bit too nerdy, but essentially Marvel are allowed to use any character from Spider-Man's back catalogue. However, if um, they use the original versions, then Sony own them outright. Marvel are allowed to take them and do certain adjustments to them where it becomes their property to allow to use in the MCU. That is why MJ is never known as Mary Jane. She's known as MJ. That is why uh, Aunt Aunt May is like a a 40-something, like completely different person to that interpretation. That is why the Vulture is Michael Keaton and the way they've done it in that. That's why Tom Holland's even slightly different. He doesn't work at the Daily Bugle. He's birthed by Tony Stark with the suit and all that sort of stuff. So, They've only got one contract left, and apparently the success of that contract is determined by box office revenue, um, which, by the way, as we've been talking, I've just got a Twitter alert, Avengers Endgame has now become the most profitable film of all time. James so Cameron's the, going the to be absolutely seething, mate. He's genuinely, genuinely <laughs> seething. Um, I, I can imagine he's on the blower too. Whoever uh, is his distributor for uh, Avatar, I'm being like, yeah, FYI. He's going to be seething, mate, because that was his thing. It was his thing. It was always his thing. So, so my point is, is that with Spider-Man, they know they they hold the keys. But if something goes the wrong way, then it goes back to Sony, and you know Sony will fuck it up. So, I think they're playing hardball. I think we will hear of a new deal, an improved deal, um, in a world where Sony can then go continue making their Venom movies and maybe even tie it in with the MCU, and they're doing their own thing as well. And we can continue to have Tom Holland, which. Um, I don't want to do spoiler alerts from Far From Home, but it's pretty obvious that they're trying to set up Peter Parker as being the new Iron Man figure uh, in the world. So there's no doubt they're going to be revisiting that. But uh, let's talk about the TV for a moment. So the first TV show that's going to be out off the bat is going to be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Obviously, we've got Sam as our Captain America. Are you excited for this? Um, is it going to be a buddy cop drama? 
<laughs> like typical 80s yeah I kind of feel I'd like I'm in for that uh, <laughs> um, they've always had um, some sort of chemistry but I kind of felt it's always been around their individual relationships with Cap right uh, I've never really yeah. felt those two together but obviously that's what it's going to be now Cap's gone he's no longer here so it's how those two are going to interact together uh, I'm sure there'll be a chemistry there um, they obviously swerved us a bit with who's got the shield. I think we all thought Winter Soldier was going to be uh, getting that shield, but obviously it's with Falcon, um, which is cool. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued because, like I said, I've not watched any of the Marvel Netflix stuff. I've just not watched it. Um, I have a problem that there's just too much TV yeah. um, to watch, and I can't commit to something that's going to go on so long it just seemed they were just churning and churning and churning and churning uh but because we get kind of a fresh slate and i am going to own disney plus when it comes to the uk because i have a wife and a current 10 month old child which means i need all of that disney uh plus the star wars um so i i will check this out absolutely i will watch it uh because it feels this is going to be different to the marvel series we've had previously because it is disney produced if that makes sense mm. what is there yeah, any as to what they're going to do there's no information whatsoever um they're keeping it all stumped um what i hope this leads into is that i hope at some point like you say in phase five where it probably becomes a bit more uh reminiscent of first previous phases of, of the mcu i think there probably will be a captain america movie uh, in that next phase and i think captain america aka sam is going to be the Captain America he's meant to be. And I think this TV show is going to be how he transitions from being the Falcon to being the Captain America that he needs to be in that film. And I think that's a nice way of bridging that gap because we don't, although we say we want it, we probably don't want a two-hour film of Sam learning to throw his shield, right? We, we just kind of want him to see of, can he hold the mantle like, like Steve Rogers did? And I think this TV show is how you learn how he gets that mantle properly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I heard talk that Zemo is going to be back and maybe more prominent and maybe more towards his Baron Zemo character ah uh, yes no you are right he's going to be the big bad of the show um, and yeah he's going to be like you say he's got to go more comics in terms of his uh, his actual character well, he, he was kind of that in the, in the film but obviously he didn't have an outfit and all that sort of stuff so they're really leaning into that for this so yeah I'm I'm excited so I'm not too excited about the, the WandaVision show it's basically going to be Scarlet Witch and Vision in some crazy capacity. Um, I, I, without knowing too much about this, I'm really, I, I don't really want to see it. <laughs> so obviously there's a romance thing between those two, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't care. I honestly, yeah. I never really enjoyed their relationship anyway. Um, mainly because I just don't have time for it. It seems that even Marvel didn't have time for it either in the end. Um, yeah. The vision character, I didn't warm to it any point while he was on screen um i didn't know really what to think of him i didn't really understand him to be honest um he had one of the infinity stones which i thought had been destroyed now um how is he alive i i don't know i don't know i i think it might be like a, a weird tiny thing i have again no idea uh, as far as i'm concerned it should just be called one division aka woman marries a vibrator you know that that's, that's as far as i fucking know about it but i'll tell you the one that i am excited about though is loki um we kind of saw this a mile off in endgame when loki picks up the tesseract and disappears in that alternative timeline and this is going to be a tv show based on what that loki gets up to that's exciting 
So wait, it's, it, so the, when he kind of escapes with the tesseract in, um, yeah. so it's just going to be him basically being a dick for eight. Yeah. So all about that. Give me some of that. Yeah, exactly, no, absolutely. Exactly. That's the one I, I didn't want. The one that's kind of gone through his uh, transformation and uh, he learned his moral compass in many ways. I don't care for that. I, I want, I want peak hilarity, uh, evil bastard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's Show what I want. Why you're the god of mischief? No, exactly. Show us why you're the god of mischief, and that's what that's that's what we're getting. And um, another thing that started to go down is more down the animation route. So. Uh, in the summer of 2021, there's going to be an animated show called What If? And in the comics, they, they do this all the time. A what if, I don't know, what if Jane Foster was four? And they made a little run off that. And that, yeah, that was kind of cool. Or what if Captain America was actually a bad guy? And this is going to be an animated show taking infinite possibilities and just doing a cartoon, basically. Which is kind of cool. I mean, obviously, big it up enough to put it on the slate. So that's interesting enough. I could see that being quite good fun, a quick half-hour kind of show where they, they, they talk about or run a comic cartoon of uh, of a scenario that hopefully I'll recognise because um, if they go too deep into the cast, I have no idea. I haven't read the comic books, but if they do it based on obviously the wave one through uh, three and go, what if yeah. this scenario was different and then ran it through from there? Yeah, cool. Um I always kind of find that stuff quite interesting anyway. Yeah, I find that fascinating. What I think they should do, if I was making this, I'd do two things. One, I'd make sure that every episode is a different animation style so that you go find the best anime people, you go find the best 3D animation people, you find all the most talented motherfuckers on the planet and you give them a little bit of money and you give them an interesting promise. Uh, I also think that anything they're thinking about experimenting with in future phases, this is where you drop the breadcrumbs for that. So if you want to do a film where, I don't know, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy hang out with four and they go and do the Asgardians of the Galaxy and you do a fucking batshit st- uh, crazy storyline, maybe you do a version of that in this. To see how people resonate with that. See if you can get the dynamic and the chemistry. Use it as a breeding ground for experimentation. So I think they should do what those two things with this show. Yeah, it's, it's an intriguing thing. I don't think it's going to be um, anything too massive that's going to really impact what we're seeing and yeah. where we're going but it doesn't always have to be something that's just fun light stick on half hour that was good fun i enjoyed that that, that i mean ultimately they've got to fill a tv channel with stuff right they've got to fill a streaming service with enough stuff that isn't just their back catalog of disney movies to keep people signing up for 8.99 or whatever it's going to cost uh, and this seems like a pretty good series to kind of go about doing that yeah, 100%. I'll tell you something, though, that I wasn't asking for. I don't think anyone asks for this ever. It's more Hawkeye. And they've commissioned uh-huh. it. It's happening. Jeremy Rena's reprising the role. It's going to be utilising his daughter as well. So, you know, in the opening scene of Endgame, where he's teaching his kid to, to fire a bow and arrow, right. like she's going to be reprising her role and being a big thing in this. But, yeah, uh-huh. a Hawkeye show. <laughs> oh, mate. Is he going to the same I won't, will he, if his, oh, his daughter's yeah. there? I, I, I like the idea of a Hawkeye series where basically um, he's like having a midlife crisis like he was in um, Endgame. So he keeps the, the sleeve tattoo and the haircut. Uh, his kids don't really like him. His wife's left him and he's just kind of a little bit bumbly in that sense. 
Um, well, he's basically just become Milhouse's dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that would be interesting. But anything that's just Hawkeye going around shooting arrows, I just don't care, mate. I just don't care. He's he was always the worst Avenger. Uh, he, he stood out like a sore thumb in all of those. I mean, even to this, like Black Widow doesn't really have a skill set other than she's like elite level uh, combat fighter. Um, but also, like, kind of, she had a intrigue, and she was always coming across as very intelligent as well. Hawkeye literally just shoots arrows shoot an arrow and it's like i do not care for this man he doesn't even get any lines in any of this stuff right no you're right 100 percent. hawkeye colon can i borrow a feeling <laughs> jerry renner's a weird actor mate because didn't they they, they tried uh, in mission impossible i want to say three but i don't think it was was it mission four. impossible four um which one, yeah. i can't remember what the name of that one is but they, they tried to hand over the reins and it didn't happen like i kind of no. feel that that, that's Jeremy Renner. It's like, eh, oh yeah, Jeremy Renner. I know that guy. But like, if you said draw a picture of Jeremy Renner, you'd be like, oh, well, he looks like a guy, um, but I couldn't tell you what he looks like. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you'd now say he looks like Hawkeye, and then look, people yeah. go, oh yeah, the, the lame one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, the lame one. Yeah. The only time he was edgy was um, at the start of uh, Endgame, wasn't it? Where he's going around like killing Yakuza members or something. Make that a TV show. Yeah. Do that. Do, yeah. Have him doing that. Because this idea that he's going to be involved with his daughter in any way already sounds boring. Character's oh boring. yeah, I, I completely, completely concur. Uh, concur, I should say on that. Um, so that's that's really it from the from the you know the TV side of things. As you know, we've already kind of said what we we've seen and what we haven't seen, and that, you know, there's interesting things about that. A lot of people jumped on Kevin Feige pretty much straight afterwards, the same with you know microphones in his mouth asking them all the the tough questions. Here's the, and I think, you know, just to round all this off, I think this is a genius decision. And he has said, yes, we will do Avengers movies. But no, there is no planned Avengers movies right now that we are willing to talk about for two reasons. One, we just had a thing called Endgame, which means, you know, it's the combination of all the Avengers movies. And two, let's give it time to breathe. Let's give it time for us to miss it. And also give us time to get to know what effectively will become the new Avengers. So that is a great move, in my opinion. It is. It is. We didn't. We didn't. We don't need another Avengers movie right now. I don't need one in the next couple of years. They perfected it. No, they perfected it. Why? Why? Why rush out? They've got time now to to create new stories and new stars and new characters that we we can learn to love, like we did the original lot. We don't. We don't need any Avengers right now. Um, yeah, fair play to him. Go five years. Go five years. Yeah, exactly. Fair play to him to being bold enough to take the action and be like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. Just because it's incredibly popular and makes an incredible amount of money, I don't need Avengers right now. I've got, look at the amount of comic books I've got to use their content to create great movies and great stories. Very, very smart. Very smart. And he did confirm Fantastic Four is in development and they will be giving more details out in the future. He doesn't give any more details other than that because he says it just would be a spoiler. Um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it hasn't had the best run, uh, Fantastic Four in the cinema um, any time when it's been rebooted. So that's good. And, you know, this was Stan Lee's, like, favourite. It was his original, like, trope into comics with the Fantastic yeah. Four. So it's only right they bring them back. I'm sure they'll, they'll get it right. So, oh, they, they will do. Um, there's this thing on the internet saying cast Steve Krasansky and Emily Blunt in the leads. And, like, if you've ever seen them together... A, they're married, so there's obviously chemistry there. But like watching them in stuff like um, A Quiet Place and stuff like that, like 
Yeah, they, they work so oh. well together on. See, I don't recognise his name, but I know her. And now you've said that, Quiet Place, yeah, they do. Yeah, I like that. It was a good movie, that one. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Put those two together. Like Fantastic Four, can't you? So, yeah, yeah I, I love it. So, dude, I said uh, earlier when I fired the back signal of, uh, let's let's talk about this shit. It'll only be ten minutes, I promise. Uh, we're fifty minutes in. Like anything else, you want to you want to finish this off with? Um, when they're going to tell me more about Star Wars? <laughs> well, I'm hoping that comes out tonight. I think yeah. there's a panel tonight as well as uh, Warner Brothers will be doing some stuff. So uh, we'll be talking about that in the news next week. But uh, yeah, there will be. You do not have a Star Wars film coming out this year and not bring a trailer to Comic Con like that's it's not suicide because it's Star Wars, but you want to build on that goodwill from that first trailer, this is the place you yeah. drop it. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see that very soon. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to you talking about it too, whatever happens uh, overnight. So that'll be interesting to hear, that's for sure. Yeah, that kid out the front of your house is going to have to go uh, brush up on Star Wars when you hang out your window and go, what day is it today, boy? <laughs> <laughs> Stop shouting at me, please. <laughs> anyway on that note thanks again buddy no worries mate appreciate the that you giving me the opportunity to speak to your wonderful listeners about all things marvel hi i'm i'm just i'm, I'm looking for chef mm-hmm. who's asking john chef jr your son my son jr yeah I don't know if that's actually the theme tune, but whenever I hear the name Shaft, that's exactly where I go with this. Uh, Shaft, it is the the Shaftening, the Shaft universe, the into the Shaft first we go. Um, Samuel Jackson reprising his role of John Shaft. This is set 20 years after the 19-something movie. Um, Anyway, Jamie, this is a Netflix original. It wasn't meant to be a Netflix original. Um, It actually tanked at the box office and Netflix stood in and went, go on then, you'll do. We'll pop you on the streaming service. Jamie, give us the the, the lowdown this. What's the actual storyline to this one? Right, I mean, first of all, I can't believe that it it tanked in the way it did because you've just got to take it for face value. You've got to take it for a Samuel Jackson Shaft film and you'll love it. Um, It's basically Samuel Jackson, his wife's left him with his kid because she couldn't risk her kid being exposed to the danger and the violence that's ever present in Shaft's world. Um, As a result, he grows up estranged. Uh, Shaft sends him presents every year on his birthday. He's, you know, he's made sure he's always presents. And those presents do include some extra large Magnum condoms one year when the kids are like four. Amazing. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> so, like, Sir, I, I am buying what you're selling. <laughs> so already it's a winner. Um, eventually his son grows up, obviously in a world well away from, from where Shaft's sort of patrolling. And as a result, he graduates uh, from MIT uh, with a degree in cybersecurity expert. And then he goes and joins the FBI. So his son is sort of coming, you know, in a roundabout way, sort of following the same path that Shaft is. Um, and eventually they end up, uh, one of um, his son, who's named JJ Shaft, so Junior, um, He, one of his friends dies <laughs> in an area where his dad works and, uh, as a private investigator. And as a result, he works. With, he goes to his dad for the first time in 20 odd years and asks for his help. Uh, and then that's it. They sort of go off on a, on a vengeance. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, I've got to add one bit. So JJ tries to Junior tries to investigate this himself. Um, gets the crap beating him out of, out of him a little bit. And so when he goes to Shaft, and Shaft goes, "Who done that?" They end up going back to this drug dealer's den, 
and it's suddenly there Shaft Shaft we didn't know that. we didn't know it was your kid we didn't know it was your kid uh, as Shaft is breaking his fingers um, yeah. so and eventually it ends up with um, them going to Shaft's dad Junior's granddad who is the original right. Shaft Richard Roundtree now the tagline for this film is more Shaft than you can handle and that's spot on <laughs> And the, the scenes at the end where all three of them are kicking ass and shooting people left, right, and centre is great. It's not going to win Oscars. It's not going to go down in history of folklore, but it is an entertaining, enjoyable film. And actually, although I know I know it's not rated well, I would watch it again because I enjoyed it that much. It's you just got to take it for face value. It's not a serious film. It hasn't got hidden depths to it. It's a shoot 'em up. Hardcore action, enjoy it, and that's all I can say about it, really. Okay, I don't want to like. Yeah, I think what you say of it, it's a, it, it sounds like it's a good shit film. If that makes yeah, sense. So, yeah, it's one of those films that you know, it's like snakes on a plane. <laughs> you know, another you know, Samuel, Samuel Jackson, Jackson classic. To be fair, that's it. Yeah, I mean, is that a great film? No, but it's it's an enjoyable film that you'd watch again. Fair enough. What I find interesting is that Samuel Jackson's like only a few years younger than the guy playing his dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like there's a lot in it, really. Uh, all they've done is made his dad have grey hair to try and make a larger sort of disparity. And at the end, when they're all walking across the road, there was a cheesy bit at the end where they're all walking across the street and they're all dressed exactly the same. Um, but it's just there's just little bits like you know, Shaft always walks out on the road and doesn't worry about traffic because traffic will stop for him. And that's just ever, <laughs> that's ever present, and it sort of develops as well because Junior at first does that, and cars are hitting him, and you know, and, and, and he dives out the way of them, and he's a bit nervous. And by the end, he's walking confidently across the street with his dad and his oh, granddad. Spoiler alert, dude! And I want to know if he if he makes <laughs> if he makes it if he becomes the shaft he was meant to be. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's always hard to sort of meet up to the standards of Richard Roundtree and uh, Samuel Jackson, but yeah, it's enjoyable. Yeah. The guy playing him, Jesse Usher, does That's he it. does he do a good job? Yeah, I, mean, I think I think yeah he he, he um, I don't think he he plays the role of the MIT graduate very well. Does he play the role of badass? Mm, that's I'm a little yeah the jury's out on that one a little bit, but yeah the MIT graduate who works for the FBI as an analyst very much so. Yeah, fair enough. I was kind of hoping like, if they ever did reboot Shaft, I mean. I can't think of anyone else other than Samuel Jackson just because he is our generation smooth motherfucker, right? Oh, yeah. But if I had to recast Shaft, I would have gone for Mashallah Ali, the dude who's cotton mouth in <sighs> Luke Cage, just to name but a few yeah. things. Yeah, he would have been but very I also, good. I also want he's got to a goatee. Blade. I kind of want to be everything. <laughs> he has got a goatee. He's, he's, <laughs> he's like... Look, in the early 2000s, I had a goatee for like 10 years. Yeah, you did. And I thought I looked fucking shit with it. And it's only my wife who mentioned a few years ago, no, you look like such a douche. And yeah. I was like, you married me. Yeah. But, well, um, I, I, I remember I copied you as well. And I found a photo the other day and I just looked incredibly French. <laughs> you did. You actually did look French. Um, but Mashala Ali is keeping the goatee and keeping it fresh. So for mm. you, brother, thank you. But um, anyway, Jamie, let's give this score. Uh, give this score. Let's give this sucker a score. What would you score it out of five? Three and a half. Three and a half. That is that's mm. that's that's quite good. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I enjoyed it. You know, there are films I sit there on my phone because well, I'm having to watch it for the pod, and I occasionally glancing at my phone. I didn't want to look at my phone. I was engrossed the whole time because it was that enjoyable. 
Fair enough. I think it lives and dies by Samuel Jackson's performance, right? So how's, how's the man himself in this? Uh, yeah, 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So there you have it. Three out of five. Damn, you back here having a night fight? Oh, hell no. I shot him. You damn right. What's up? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this, if you follow us on Twitter, if you think you want to listen to more of this, then maybe, just maybe, you'll click on the like, follow, subscribe, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to Me. It's a little bit less crowded than the last pod, but just as enjoyable. Jamie, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, mate, at, at Mr. Hannon in Space. Hannon in Space! We'll be back next week with games. Uh, we've got a surprise guest to be announcing. There's going to be another giveaway. Ooh! Uh, <laughs> So keep it locked, stay filmy till next time. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.